Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Experientially Speaking, a podcast for Redpeg Marketing. I'm Chris Gehring, and today, welcoming back my boss, Krista Olson, our Senior Director of Digital here at Redpeg. Krista, how's it going? It's going wonderfully. How are you? Doing great. I'm, I'm super excited about the guest that we have on the other side of the break. Larry Settembrini, the Vice President at Repop, um, is going to join us. We've worked a little bit with him in the past here at Redpeg, but I'm, I'm really excited for people to hear kind of his insight into an event space that probably a lot of people have heard of, but maybe not really gotten an inside look at how it all comes together. Yeah, it was great to reconnect with Larry. Uh, the Repop team is responsible for some of the biggest events in the comic and gaming space, including New York Comic Con. Um, he had some amazing insight into the partnership and activations that bring the events to life as well as the future of virtual events. Yeah, he's he's awesome. He brings us all kinds of good insight. Um, he will definitely be a recurring guest at some point. We'll figure that out later and we'll let everybody know. Um, but before we get to today's conversation, I want to make sure that we remind you, make sure you, that you're subscribing to the Experientially Speaking podcast wherever you're listening. If you like the show, leave us a rating and some comments. We certainly want to read them. We want to hear who, who you want to hear. Chances are we would like to have them on as well. And without further ado, we'll get to our conversation with Larry on the other side of the break. All right. Welcome back to the Experientially Speaking podcast. With us now is the Vice President of Repop, Larry Settembrini. Larry, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks for having me today. Of course. We're, we're so glad to have you on. And we've gotten to work together in the past a little bit. And the things that that are all under Reed Pop's umbrella is is just really exciting. It's impressive stuff. You guys have a huge portfolio of work. And so I think to, to start off the, the way that I think we want to start off with most guests is just give us a, a 30,000 foot introduction, what your role is at Reed Pop now, a couple of stops along the way, and then we'll dig down into what you guys have worked on recently and, and where you're headed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So um, I'm, I'm vice president at Reed Pop, uh, been with the company for about 16 years. My my responsibility really lies with uh, looking after the commercial team. So all of our exhibition sponsorship, strategic accounts, strategic partnerships, that all lies under or, or with, I should say, my team these days. When I started at Reed 16 years ago, it was uh, just in a, in a straight up sales executive role. And uh, over the years have kind of moved on and sort of developed um, the team and my own personal skill set in various areas into the role that I'm I'm sitting in today. Awesome. And and at, at Readpop, so you guys oversee a, a portfolio of a lot of large-scale events. You work with a lot of large-scale events. We're talking about things like Comic-Con. What what's kind of the portfolio there of of your work and and kind of Readpop's role? Yeah, yeah. So um it's it's pretty interesting. It's a ever-evolving business. When we started the company, um, so to, to take a step back, Reed Pop is part of Reed Exhibitions, one of the largest trade show organizers in the world. Reed Pop is the consumer division that um, I was part of, of the sort of founding or launch of uh, back in 2005. And the, the consumer division originally launched with New York Comic Con, which is one of our big one of our flagship events still still to this day and has evolved after we sort of ran that event for a couple of years we started basically figuring out the formula of you know how to bring brands together how to bring the community together how to sort of celebrate these really interesting and fun moments around people's passions 
And we've taken that to other cities. We run a Comic-Con in uh, Chicago called C2E2, Emerald City Comic-Con. And then during that journey, we got connected with the folks at Penny Arcade, um, who is a pretty massive media company and was starting to get into the event space. They were bringing their communities, their gaming communities together out in Seattle to kind of celebrate their passions. And uh, they were looking to expand upon their business and and, and take their show to, to more cities. So we partnered up with them and uh, cloned that business, not only here in the States in Boston and San Antonio, but we also took it overseas to Australia as well. In addition to the events that are part of our portfolio, we also do a, a number of branded events. So we've got an interesting division that partners up and helps existing brands elevate and build their communities through face-to-face. Uh, we work with Star, uh, excuse me, Lucasfilm and run Star Wars Celebration. We run ComplexCon. We were doing TwitchCon for a period of time. So those are all really fun events that allows us to kind of take another brand's IP and, and, and help them build their community. And that's really where we got our teeth cut. That is sort of the, the foundation, if you will, of ReadPop. About three years ago, uh, we acquired a business called Gamer Network, uh, which is a portfolio of video game websites and video channels, and they have some some influencer communities as well that they're that they're part of or that they run. And it's largely in the video game space. and And the reason we we made that 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 acquisition and brought that group into our Repop family was to allow us to be a real kind of 360 solution to partners in terms of being able to execute in a live format or in an online format, and in many cases, both. So we can kind of take something in the online space, bring it to life at at our events. So that's sort of a long-winded way of saying, you know, we kind of have our fingers in a lot of different places, uh, but really all focused around, you know, communities, passionate communities of um, fans in, in, a, in a number of different industry. That's awesome. Um, in terms of how you're actually identifying those opportunities and those collaborations, what's sort of the process as from start to, to finish? Do you mean in terms of launching a standalone event or more so from the brand perspective of participating in one of our events or our you know video channels or what it might be? I think either. I know we've worked with the branded side with you so maybe we could focus on that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There, there's a couple of components when we're looking at you know events as a essentially a, a, a place to bring the community together. One is 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 there a community, right? Is there a passionate community that has a desire to come together in a in a live format? You know, that's obviously the biggest com- component of it because without the community, without the fans, you know, you don't you don't have a show. The other piece is what does the industry look like? What's the health of the industry? Is the you know is the industry interested in that type of interaction and, and supporting um, those types of face to face interactions and you know a con um, as as we call them uh, is is another part of of the equation. You know we ran um, in two thousand and seven we launched an event called the New York Anime Festival. At the time, the anime industry was 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 on fire. The community was super passionate. There was a there was a ton of uh, publishers out there and anime companies, and the timing was right for us to launch an event like that. 
And uh, we ran it for two years. And then sort of in 2009, 2010, things started tapering off a little bit. It was, it was around the time when a lot of that content was starting to go online and, and, and people were kind of able to get to that content without paying for it. So it kind of like shook the industry up a little bit and we lost some industry support for it. So we, we pulled the reins back on it and canceled that show for a period of time. Now, fast forward to, to 2021, we just ran our New York Comic Con event um, for the first time in two years because of the pandemic. And anime is back in a big, big way. It was probably the largest showing of anime that we've had in New York in a long, long time. I mean, the community was on fire. The brands there were doing, you know, beautiful interactions and engagements with fans. So it's it's sort of cyclical, but you just have to kind of look at the big picture and 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 make sure every all the ingredients are are there. And I, I know that like speaking of of New York Comic Con, I think that I think for our listeners, that's probably the event that that everybody has heard of and, and knows something about. And I just wanted to ask whether that's a whether it's like a game, like a property, something or something like like an anime studio or a brand that's trying to connect authentically with people who are actually at Comic Con. What's what's the key when you have a fan base that is true fanatics? Like we talk about sports fans all the time, but I think in some of these areas that appear at a, at a Comic Con, the fandom is on a level that I think maybe like even sports fans wouldn't really understand. And with that comes an opportunity to make a, a, a great connection, but it has to be done in a different way. Like the barrier to entry to me seems higher. How have you seen partners really like make that authentic connection, not come off as, you know, either newcomers or, or like not understanding the space and not understanding the, the niche? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. It's a really good question. And there's, you know, you mentioned that sort of the barrier to entry. I think there's some risk in a, a brand and an outsider coming into this world, whether it be the, the comic space, you know, at, at a New York Comic Con or, or the gaming space, you know, as in a, in a PAX of not doing it well or not doing it right and actually doing more damage to the brand than good. And when I was, when I was kind of working through, you know, sort of building the business, the repop business and, and developing the, the commercial division, what I found was uh, as we grew and, and New York Comic Con really started scaling up, we had more brands kind of knocking on our door saying, Ooh, you have a uh, 150,000 people and it's a big show in fancy New York. We want to, we want to be there. And, you know, my response was like, okay, well, what, what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. We're going to just, you know, we're a car company. We're going to bring our cars and park them in the lobby and we'll give you guys a bunch of money. Well, what does that do for the community? What, you know, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll profit from it and you guys will get your brand in front of the community, but like no one's going to care. Um, they're going to walk right by your, your vehicles. Like we need to do something that is to use your word authentic and makes sense. So I found a division within the the group that was focused on these strategic relationships, developed strategies to bring them in, figure out what the right authentic connection was or is with the community and build, build plan and strategies around that. So to, you know, sort of circle back to answer your question, I think it comes down to 
Um, from our perspective, there's a high level of curation in who we bring into the show. If a brand doesn't understand or more importantly, doesn't respect the, the community, it's, it's probably not going to be a good fit for, for anyone involved. So, you know, we have to, we have to make that connection. I think that the authenticity piece is really important. We spend a lot of time with brands and agencies developing, you know, the strategy so that it, it does have a connection to the community. Our, our company, our organization is run by fans. So we're pretty good litmus test when we're developing the strategy to bounce it off the rest of the team members and say, does this make sense? Do you think this will resonate with the audience? Where should we make tweaks? What's the best path forward is important. And then I think like from the perspective of just, you know, standing out and what I've seen resonate the most with the community. And this is, this is translatable to really any industry where you're showing up, whether it be a music festival, a con something like that is is giving back to the community creating a better experience for the community right there's a lot of pain points there's a lot of challenges if you will when you're going to these big events whether it's trying to find a bathroom waiting in line trying to get a drink whatever it might be like these are all things that you know we we know because we're in the space and if a brand wants to come in and do something that's authentic and that can create a better experience for the fans we try to align with those sort of pain points to create that better experience and ultimately give that brand lift for being there, being part of it. And again, helping to helping to create, you know, a better experience. I think, I think it's, it's, we talk about it all the time too, like in at music festivals and just with other clients of like, sometimes the simplest thing you can do is have a water station or like have a bar or, you know, do something like that, that just serves the, serves the attendees. And then, you know, from there, it's like, okay, like these people understand there's a whole experience here and they care about it and they're doing something about it. Sometimes it's, it's something that simple that, that makes that kind of an impact. I think it's, I think it's so interesting that that applies across all of these large events where it's so crowded, it's so saturated. And sometimes you could just be like, everybody remembers that, you know, brand X had, the water station or they had this cocktail and also, you know, somebody appeared at their footprint and that was cool. So like I got a water break and I got to meet somebody. So I, I just think it's so interesting how even like those common threads, like they just kind of apply across the spectrum of, of a lot of different fests, cons, however you want to call it. Um, and, 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 you know, and across these different spaces. Yeah, totally. So a couple of years ago, this was one of my favorite activations. We sort of the nature of, of Comic-Con or Comic-Cons, if you will, or, or cons, if we want to just generalize it, is waiting in line. You know, there's the line to get into the event in the morning. There's generally some, some lines to get into special events or panels. Um, there's lines to get into autographing. It, it's unfortunately or fortunately, it's just the nature of how you know, some of these events operate. Now we've, we've put in a bunch of technologies into our events that have addressed mo most of the line sort of challenges and, and put in reservation systems and things like that. So, so the lines today are a little bit less of an issue than they were back when I did this activation a few years ago, but um, we put a program uh, together that was, was built around lines. And we basically brought together a, uh, we, we built a street team, um, had them dress up in costumes and just literally work the lines all day long, 
Um, they would hold your place in line if you needed to step out to get a bite to eat or get, you know, a drink. They would entertain. So we had, um, we had some, they were, some of them were actors. So they would, you know, dance around and take photos and juggle and do all kinds of crazy stuff. And it was, you know, one of the sort of simplest, you know, things to, to, to put together. But from the community's perspective, it was like really cool that, you know, while they're standing in line, just looking at the back of someone else's head, generally, there was something else to do and distract them from, you know, the line waiting. And then again, if they needed to step out or they needed something, these folks were there to, you know, sort of take care of, take care of their needs. And, you know, there was a a bunch of other pieces that went along with that experience, but just something that simple, like, you know, getting, getting someone a drink or allowing someone to step out to, to get a drink is like, wow, that was, that was cool that they were there and thinking about us, you know, so. Advice that fire festival probably could have taken. (laughs) Yeah, right. So just in terms of moving forward, there's been a lot of talk about the metaverse and all the things coming with virtual events. What do you sort of see this space looking like in the next year, three years, five years? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good question. So, you know, we were we were fortunate enough that the acquisition we made of that digital business were, was a couple of years prior to to COVID and having events being forced you know, to, to hit pause. So we're able to bring in and develop a lot of best practices from that group and, and sort of apply them to um, what was the traditional event business that, that we were running. We tried some, we tried some virtual events during the pandemic. They were okay. I think at the very beginning of it, people were still looking for things to do and ways to engage with, you know, the, the sort of comic scene. But I, I think it, people got fatigued pretty quick just overall with the sort of the Zoom cons and things like that. So we sort, sort of hit pause on it and, and kind of tweaked our strategy and relaunched um, what, what we have is our metaverse, ReadPop's metaverse, as a platform that is pumping out content um, three, 365 all, all year long. We're pulling in all of our content from our, our live events. We've got editors and, and content creators internally that are starting to build up content and develop that. I think that, I think that that approach is probably going to be the direction where we see at least read pop, um, head in, um, and really, again, give the community um, you know, sort of an outlet, whether it be in person or not, um, they'll be able to connect with us, uh, again, 365. And the beauty about this platform that we launched too, is all of the content that we are producing at our events is being live streamed. So theoretically, not even theoretically, like our events won't sell out anymore because, you know, we'll sell X number of tickets and fill up the building but anyone will be able to engage from home and, you know, take part in the different types of panels and content and things like that, that we're doing. And then we also want to develop more, more interactive experience from the show floor that also, you know, kind of the, the, the folks at home can engage with. Um, that's sort of part two of our, of our strategy, but we're really looking at a, at an always on, you know, sort of system for, for our world going forward. Yeah, to that point, do you think that opens a new world of partnerships and brands that you can connect with and and build 
you know, strategies around? It definitely does. It definitely does. Um, you know, I think there's a time and place for in-person and there's a time and place for, for, for digital. And, and a lot of times I, I've seen at least, you know, brands kind of put a line in the sand and they'll look at one or the other. Um, what we've been able to do over the past year or two, which has been really fun to, 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 to participate in and to develop is, you know, creating these holistic online, offline pa- packages, if you will, or programs where a brand can show up in a live format and then take that content and also, you know, build it up for those at home and things like that. This year at New York Comic Con, um, we did a program with McDonald's for their APA Next uh, program, which is essentially giving the Asian Pacific American community the tools to go to school, get educated, you know, kind of furthering and helping develop their their careers and things like that. And that started out as a lead up prior to New York Comic Con with a pretty big social campaign that that we created and and produced. And then it culminated at New York Comic Con where we took some of the biggest creators in the comic community, um, put them up in a panel that we live streamed and talked about their um, sort of career and their development and their advice to sort of aspiring, you know, creators in, in, in the community about how they can sort of develop their, um, you know, their self and their career. But it was a really fun and successful campaign that started out digitally, ended, you know, with both an event and a digital component. So I think we'll see a lot more of that as as we move forward. And I think, uh, I think brands are going to expect more of that as well. So I don't, I don't think that's gonna, I don't think that's gonna go away. I think that stuff's here to stay. For sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I've, I think we've been talking internally here at Red Peg about just the question of what is like the live event mix look like post COVID and post, you know, pandemic concerns, like, Obviously, there's too much success with the virtual environments that that people have been able to create over the last two years and certainly before that. But certainly, there's still that craving to be in person as well. And and, and I think that you hit on a, a really interesting point, too, with the community aspect and serving, like truly serving outside of the fandom, outside of, you know, the properties that people love to be fans of, truly like serving the people, whether that's through you know, contributing to education or, you know, providing job opportunity. I think there's that community service aspect of, of brand activations that's just getting started. And it's something that people and consumers in, in so many areas are just so conscious of now that it's cool. It's really cool when it, when it all comes together. It's something like a New York Comic Con. It's a major event. It's a major brand. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome activation on its face, but then it's also contributing to the community. It seems like that's like an aspect that's really critical to hitting a home run now. It, it, it is it, it, without a doubt. I mean, I mean, to some extent, it's, it's kind of our duty. And, and I think to some extent, the brand's duty to, to participate in that and be thinking about, you know, these topics, because, you know, there's a young community that is attending these events, and they're looking up to what's happening there how are people behaving what are what are brands doing how you know and and they take that and they you know th- that is their world they they live in and breathe that it's the same you know we're talking about the comic community but but it's the same in the in the gaming community as well like how how does that community interact with each other 
um, whether it's on Discord or at an in-person event like PAX. And I think, you know, for us as a as as an event organizer, I think we've we've done a really, really good job. I'm saying this humbly, we've done a really, really good job of of looking ahead and 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 thinking about like what are the what are the topics and 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 you know what is important to our community so that we can create um, a, a safe environment for them to be able to to celebrate and also like what can we do to help elevate them and make them leave the show feeling better about themselves and feeling better about you know our our world and 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 kind of going off and 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 spreading the love if you will. Yeah, no question. I, I, it's it's so true, and it, it's always awesome. You can make the connection on on all those fronts, and it seems like anymore that's what we're what's what we're all trying to do. Anytime we're you know creating one of these activations, specifically ones that are larger scale and and, and have a lot of components, both um, in like in the hybrid model. I feel like that's the word that we that we've overused in the last year, but I guess it, I guess it is true. Anyway, Larry, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, We've really enjoyed the conversation and certainly we'd love to have you back. We'll talk, we can talk more um, Comic-Con, other events. I think we, we have a lot that we could dive into, but just so thankful that you, that you could join us and, and we'll certainly talk to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was, this was fun. I'd love to love to join you guys again. Thank you very much. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of Experientially Speaking. Thanks again to Larry for joining. It was awesome to chat with him. Be sure to check out what Repop is up to. Their website is repop.com. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, please make sure that you are giving us a rating and subscribing to the Experiential Speaking Podcast wherever you listen. You can also subscribe to our weekly Pulse newsletter on redpeg.com. Thanks again to Krista. Thanks to our producer, Rashid Cole. Thanks to our digital designer, Holden Wright. We will talk to you all soon.